Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Peculiar Stories and Far Out Tales. I'm Anna Howington. And I am Kim Yellen, and we are just going to jump right in. I'm going to start with my favorite subject and go with a missing person. Oh. So this missing person, I'm I'm positive. I'm not going to say the case, but I feel like you're going <laughs> to... You're going to recognize it when you start hearing it. Oh, really? Yeah. So this was this is a super old case. So on March 10th, 1928, uh, this nine-year-old boy named Walter Collins was... Okay. Do you recognize it? No, I don't no, know okay. anything about <laughs> okay. this. Um, he went out of his house. He was going to the movies in um, the Mount Washington neighborhood of Los Angeles, which... Uh, I don't know anything about L.A., so who knows where that is? Okay, <laughs> me either. <laughs> but he was never seen again. He was never heard from. He never returned home. So mm-hmm. his mom, his mom's name, Christine Collins, um, she reported her son missing five days later, which wow. I, feel, <laughs> I feel like in, like, modern context, that's, like, holy cow. But, like, I don't know, in 1928, like, maybe it was... I don't know. He was nine? Yeah. <laughs> where does a nine-year-old go for five days? For five days, right. Because I feel like, the, I mean, it says that she was, a, she was a telephone operator, so, like, she could have called. But, like, maybe this was kind of the era that you had to, like, walk in somewhere, and maybe it was hard to get. I don't I don't know. Anyway. Okay, I'm sorry, but you live in a city. True, yes. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about the country. We're talking about And LA. I don't care how hard it is to get to the police station, but if your nine-year-old son is missing for five days, that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta yeah. go tell somebody. Yes, yep. Um, so she went to the police station five days later on March 15th and reported her son missing. Tips started like pouring in. The thing about just setting a little bit of backstory, um, the like LAPD at the time were kind of reeling from all these accusations of like corruption and uh, like bribes. And mm. they were very much thought to be like involved with the mob. And so they Ooh. were really looking for like, a good, like, we're going to find this kid and, like, turn around the narrative. Seems like an easy win. Right, yeah. And there was this other murder, this uh, 11-year-old named Marianne Parker that had just happened a few months earlier that, that hadn't really gotten a resolution. And so, yeah, so they were they were looking for, like, an easy win. So they, they hmm. really went all out to try to find this kid. Like I said, tips started pouring in, a whole bunch of tips from, like, all over the place, which I feel like just happens anytime. You, like, ask the public for tips. Like, I feel like 90% of them are just garbage. Yeah. But in August, so what is that, like, four months later, the Illinois police picked up this runaway boy who matched Walter's description. That's a long way for a nine-year-old to go. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Even a, like, fairly, like... I don't know, precocious, if that's the right word. I feel like that's a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah, so they, like, matched his description, and they reported it back to LAPD, and were like, hey, we've got this kid who gave us, quote, a hazy story about his abduction and is saying that he's Walter Collins. Hmm. I will say real quick, I do think that when we were nine, we could have made it pretty far. I Yeah, I think we could have, too. I mean, I don't know. California to Illinois, though, is... I mean, <laughs> that's that's not, like, down the street. Like, that's not another city. But... Do you remember how, like, free-range we were, though? Yes, yeah. Like, I think back to, like, when we were kids, because we were, like, we lived right by each other, like, 8, 9, 10, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. 11, around that time. And um, I would remember just taking off from my house and, like, riding my bike, like, across yep. busy streets and then, like, down past the donkeys and... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. we go into this like weird like ditch and then mm. like end up in your backyard and mm-hmm. just like bang on your door. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a difference between getting on your bike and riding as far as you can go and ending up in Illinois. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, you're right. But you're right, you're we right. could have gotten pretty far. I don't know if we could have gotten to Illinois, but we could have gotten pretty far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the Illinois police were like, this is a kid. Like, we found the kid. The kid says that he's the kid. He's the kid. And so hmm. Christine Collins, at her own expense, paid the money to get the kid taken back to L.A. And so he, like, took the train back to L.A., and there was this big, like, a big media attention. Everybody was at the train station when he came in, Hmm. and this kid got off the train, and according to reports, immediately, Christine Collins knew this wasn't her kid. Like, she's like, that's that's not him. But she, like... Did she see a picture before she had this child brought in from Illinois? I guess that they were just like, he says he's your kid. Like, I, I don't, I kind of get it. Like, I don't know, in the 30s. There was a story. Sorry, I'm going to go off subject for a second. Yeah. There's a story about Henry VIII. You know, he had all the wives. And it was yep. one, I want to say Anne of Cleves. One of the wives, like, he was, like, looking for a new wife. And so he told his, like, this was, what, in the 1500s, 1600s, whatever. He told his, like, portraitist or something, like, the the guy that paints all the pictures. He was mm-hmm. like, you go see her and paint a picture for me and then bring it back. And then I'll decide if I want to marry her. So, like, this guy goes and paints a picture oh, of her, brings it back. And Henry VIII is like, yeah, this is, she's beautiful. Like, yeah, bring her up. I'll marry her, whatever. And supposedly when she showed up, Henry VIII was like, she is so ugly. Like, oh he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't think that the, the portrait was accurate at all. Like, he was very much like, ew. Did he kill the painter? No, I don't think so. And this was one of the wives that survived, too. So I don't think, I feel like they kind of developed, I think that they, like, developed, like, a friendship. Oh, so he married her anyway? Yeah, I think, so. I mean, I feel like he agreed to marry her, like, without seeing her. He had just seen this, like, one little painting of her. But oh, wow. <laughs> see, I think it's Anne of Cleves. <laughs> I remember I, like, wrote a report about this painting in, like, high school or something like that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this kind of reminds me of that. That maybe it was maybe it was just, like, a different time. Like, pictures were harder to take. And, yeah, you couldn't just text it to somebody. But, yeah, he immediately when he got off the train, though, she was like, this isn't. This isn't my kid. But they, like, still took the pictures. Like, there were all these pictures in, like, the newspaper that were, like, uh, you know, happy reunion, and we found this kid. Did they get a quote from her? <laughs> like, this is not my child? I don't think, no. She, like, didn't tell any. This is all kind of, like, I feel like it's a bit, like, retrospect that, like, she she was like, that's not my kid, like, immediately. But, like, it, it didn't really seem like she told anybody that. This lady. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it, he wasn't even gone for that long. Like, right. It's not right. like he changed and, that much in a couple of months. Right. And so and that was what the cops told her. Like when she was like, this isn't my kid. The cops were like, lady, he like went under a lot of stress. Like they quote told her to like try him out or something like that. Like, like <laughs> yeah. So she she later told the police, yes, he oh looks like God. Walter in some ways. He acts like my son, but I'm still not certain about it. You see, Walter was quiet and well behaved. He always called me mother. This child called me mama. And he is hard to handle at times. So he, well, she said that she like hoped he was her son, but he wasn't. And the cops were like, told her to go try him out. Like he was like a coat or something. <laughs> we're like, just, just oh, try him. I guess him. a kid needed a home, you know? I guess. I don't know. But if you're looking for your kid. Um, <laughs> she also like, 
she said that he was an inch shorter than Walter. And apparently the like one of the tests that the cops did was they like brought his dog, like Walter's dog, and the dog was really excited to see this kid, which I was like, is that the that's the best test I you mean, guys can do? Look, I have a dog and my dog is excited to see right. any human being <laughs> right. <laughs> that yep. pays attention to him. Right. Like that's not a fair assessment. <laughs> right. So eventually after two weeks, um Christine brought dental records and she brought a whole bunch of adults to the police station and we're like this is not my kid like it's not my kid like you need to do something about this it's not my kid and you know instead of the cops having a normal reaction to that being like oh like we must have we must have messed up like this isn't the kid i want you to guess what they did did they arrest her they threw her in the psychiatric ward so holy shit (laughs) yeah i mean definitely a lot of like oh this woman acting crazy Throw her oh, in the psych ward. Oh my god! Did she yeah. have um? Did she have anybody else supporting her, like family members or anybody to come to her rescue and be like? I mean, look, I'm not gonna say that she isn't crazy because her kid did go missing for like five days before she <laughs> did anything about it. Right. But yeah, yeah. I mean, she brought. So it says that she brought other adults with her. Like when she brought his dental records, it says he she brought other adults to be like. No, that's not the kid. So I don't, I don't know what the what her proof was, but there was a captain of the LAPD named uh, Captain J.J. Jones, who I feel like just sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a villain in a comic book. Or yeah, yeah, villain. Yeah. And he said, quote, what are you trying to do? Make fools out of us all? Are you trying to skirt your duty as a mother and have the state provide for your son? You are the most cruel hearted woman I've ever known. You are a fool. Wow. And then he had her committed on September 8th under this code 12, which was like this weird law that was just like, (sighs) if you're acting crazy to the police, we can throw you in jail was pretty much the like gist of the law. Oh, my God. And in the psychiatric ward, she was like, not treated great as you would imagine a psychiatric ward in the 20s yeah during that time they were horrible places like (laughs) she would have been probably better off had she gone to like a women's prison than a psychiatric ward absolutely yeah so she was not treated well while she was in the psychiatric ward which was kind of the same thing i guess jj jones was like oh maybe i should talk to this kid like (laughs) maybe this woman was right So he talked to the kid, and the kid told him. The kid was like, no, I'm not Walter Collins. Uh, my name's Arthur Hutchins. And and he said that he that he had, like, faked this kid, that, like, he had gotten picked up. His mother had died, and he ran away from home. And he was just kind of a runaway. Like, he was just kind of this, I hate to say, like, a vagabond kid, because that sounds weird. But, like, just a a street kid or whatever in Illinois and got picked up in this cafe in Illinois. And the, the police that picked him up were like, hey, you look like this kid that's been missing in California. And his thought instantly, being a 12-year-old kid, was like, oh, I want to meet my favorite cowboy actor named Tom Mix, and L.A. is where the movie stars are. So <laughs> take me to L.A. I mean, it tracks. Like, right, yes. <laughs> it absolutely I, does. I get it. Yep. <laughs> For a nine-year-old, it's amazing. He was like, oh. Movie stars, let's go. Sure, I'll pretend I'm this kid that kind of looks like me. 
And actually, and when the kid, like, signed his, like, confession, he signed it a different name. Like, he, like, admitted, even on his, like, written confession, said he was a different kid. So, oh um, Little con man, huh? Yes. Starting yeah, early. A lot of the things I was reading were saying this was just kind of a lifelong con man. And I couldn't find, I couldn't find what happened to him. Like, there was, there was a lot of information about, like, what happened with other people involved in the story. But, like, there wasn't, like, I was like, what happened with this kid? This is the most interesting character out of the entire story, by far. I agree. <laughs> yes, I know. So, you know, so they decided that this, or they finally admitted, LAPD finally admitted that this kid wasn't uh, Walter Collins. They made this so much worse on themselves than they had to. <laughs> Which I feel like was the problem. Like, that was the reputation they were trying to, exactly. like, <laughs> get, get away from. Like, they were trying to get away from the fact that yeah. they were this, like, hasty like you know just a bunch of like crazy people with too much power and then they like proved that they were like whatever so um on september 13th uh christine collins was released from the psych ward and she sued the lapd and she was ordered to pay uh ten thousand eight hundred dollars which at the time which works out to one hundred and seventy six thousand dollars now so not a like honestly that's a little low yeah i mean just (laughs) I mean, That's a little low. I mean, I feel like you get a lot more today. <laughs> like if the police the throw you in a psych ward, yeah, yeah I imagine. <laughs> well, also they like public embarrassment and right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so she got paid this money. However, she never saw any of it. So you know, why not? Why would she? Why would she? Um. So no, I mean, why? Why wouldn't she? <laughs> what happened? They, he never paid it. Like it, the, everything that I was reading was very much like J.J. Jones never paid it. So I don't know if she like what, sued him. J.J. As, Jones or the the LAPD? I don't uh, right. Like I don't know if she sued him as an individual or if she sued the LAPD. If she sued him as an individual, I could kind of understand. But like, if you sue the LAPD, I mean, they got to give you your money. Like. I don't know. Maybe back then they didn't. It sounds like it was a fairly corrupt time. Right, right. Yeah. So she never saw any of the money. And yeah, so that's kind of the peculiar story part of the the story. Then kind of the real world effects. So the real Walter Collins was still missing. So there's a couple theories about what happened to him. Um, The first one is that his father, who's also named Walter Collins, um, was apparently just a like career criminal and was kind of in and out of jail and wasn't really involved with anything with Mm. him his whole life. Mm. Um, But he was in jail in Folsom Prison at the time for burglary. And apparently he was like one of the inmates that like ratted on a bunch of the other inmates. So Uh he had this theory that like they were getting back at him. That, yeah. I mean, it sounds like something that would happen. Right. The second theory is in all likelihood what happened, and it's it's quite gruesome. We're going to go into it. So Let's do it. It's what we're here for. <laughs> right. Yep. Buckle in. So the second theory is that he was kidnapped by this man named Gordon Stewart Northcott, and then he was murdered at Northcott's chicken farm. So there, there's this town called, it was called Wineville, California, that's oh. 40 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are, you, yeah. are you remembering it all? Uh, so, yeah. That's yeah. a yeah. yeah. So we're gonna go a little bit into that. It's it, into Oof. this. It's not a great story if you don't want to hear stories about like little boys getting murdered. Maybe maybe go fast forward to Anna's story. So <laughs> my story is uh, not about little boys being murdered. Okay, not even good. close. <laughs> we try to keep 
a minimum one boy getting murdered per episode <laughs> is the limit. Well, you're actually about to hit a lot more than one boy. Right, so I yes, think we're one... already not doing a good job. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, there's this town called Wineville, California, where uh, Gordon Northcott lived. Um, he owned this farm and he was trying to get help for it. He got his nephew who lived in Canada to come down and help him. The nephew's name was Stanford Clark. And so Stanford came to live on the ranch. So while Stanford Northcott was on the farm, he was like abused, like every way possible, was not being treated well by his uncle. And so his sister came to visit him as one at one point because his like mom, here's a bunch of moms that like seem to just send their kids away and not check in on them. Mm-hmm. Like the mom had not heard from her son in a while. So like her reaction to that was to send her daughter down there, which seems kind of a weird reaction, but whatever. Hmm. And so her daughter went down there. Her daughter's named Jessie Clark. And she immediately was like, what is up with you, dude? Like, something is wrong. And oh, like, yeah. Something was really wrong. All right. right. <laughs> yeah. So Stanford Clark started telling her all of these abuses that he had been subjected to, like all of this, this really bad harm. And so Jesse, to get him out of... I like how you're skirting around these details. We're trying right. to keep it fairly PG because yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's, it's dark. Every type of abuse possible. We did not put a trigger warning on this no. one. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Jesse, because Stanford was Canadian, Jesse reported that there was an illegal... <laughs> Which I find is, for some reason, I kind of find that kind of funny. She reported to the embassy that there was an illegal immigrant on this farm in an attempt to get him back to Canada. Huh. Which is, like, such a weird, like, roundabout way of, I mean, I guess it, I guess it worked. So the authorities went to this farm to try to find this illegal Canadian. And while they were there, Stanford immediately started, like, saying all of the things that had been done to him. He told stories about driving into L.A. and picking up boys, like picking up other boys. And like the boys would like see Stanford, who was like another young boy in the car and think that everything was safe and that he was used as like bait kind of to to get these other boys. Also, people just didn't have a problem getting in cars with strangers up until I think like the late 70s. No, a- absolutely. Yeah. Like talking. Have you ever like talked to your parents about like hitchhiking and all this yes. stuff? And, yes. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So like, like I've talked to my dad before about it and he's like, yeah, I went here, there and I did all of this and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, how did you not die? <laughs> it's just right. so like, wild. How, like no one, I would never, I would never, like, I mean. I went hitchhiking one time in my life. Actually, you, now that I remember it. You hitchhiked or yes. you picked up a hitchhiker? No, I went hitchhiking. Oh. <laughs> so it was a little side story. I Okay, so when I was in high school, me and my best friend, who uh, unfortunately she's passed away uh, about, oh my gosh, almost like 11, 12 years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. But when we were in high school, we were like inseparable and we would go to these, um, like, warehouse raves on the weekends in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't have a car, though. So we always had to, like, hitch rides with friends and stuff like that. Because we were, I think we were maybe 16 at this point in time. I was 16. I think maybe she was still 15 
Uh, I don't know. I can't really remember exactly. It was around that age. But we um, we really wanted to go to this rave and we couldn't get a ride. Everybody had already left Denton and we were trying to get down to Dallas. And so I went over to my brother's apartment and because he was in college and I was like, give us a ride. And he was like, I'm not going to give you a ride. And I'm like, well, I'm going to hitchhike then. And he's like, <laughs> well, OK, but let me give you guys some weapons. <laughs> what? <laughs> He gave us a a rusty razor blade and a fork and and made us a sign that said Dallas. No. (laughs) We went out near Fry Street. Do you remember Fry Street? Yes. Oh, We went out near Fry Street and we held up our little sign that said Dallas. And the very first car that passed us pulled over and he was like, I cannot let you girls hitchhike. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's like, I will take you wherever you need to go. And so we get in the car with him. I can't let you girls hitchhike. Let me take you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It turned out fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then Lucky left her phone in his car. And he brought it back to her. He was actually a really nice guy. He was very nice. He was, like, younger. I think he was, like, probably, like, around college age. And I think he just saw, like, a situation that was... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Could have been, been bad. <laughs> I feel like the mass majority of hitchhiking stories are probably like that. Like it's just one of these things that, like, the the few times that it ended badly are the times yeah. you hear about. It's like riding a plane. Like everyone thinks riding a plane is so dangerous, but yeah. like, how yeah. many people ride planes every day? Like, how many people hitchhiked with no issues? Like, I think probably like you know ninety nine point nine percent of people hitchhiked right. with no issue. Yeah. We had no issue. When I lived in Canada, there were times, because it snowed, it snows in Canada, in case people didn't know that. And so, <laughs> but it's so, I lived in Calgary, which is a very cold part of Canada. And you would just get like dumped on, like New York. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be like walking to work or like walking to the train, and people would stop and ask if I wanted a ride like into my neighborhood. And I would always take them up on it, but it was like two minutes. Like, I feel like that's not quite so, hitchhiking. That's hitchhiking. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you didn't have a sign and you didn't have your no. thumb out, but you did get in a car with a stranger and they took that's, you somewhere. That's true. Yeah. But it was definitely like, like I said, like two minutes into Like I was walking on a path to my neighborhood. I mean, a lot can happen in two minutes. That's true. And like once you're in a car, I'm <laughs> sorry, we're just going to tell all these car stories. <laughs> um, when I was in Greece, I had a weird layover, like an overnight layover because I was going out to one of the islands. And so I just, like, got a hotel room for, like, six hours or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I got in a cab at the airport and told, like, my aunt was, like, show him the name of the hotel, like, in Greek. Like, show him where you're going. And so this guy, like, entered it into his thing. And he started – I was honestly, like, I think that's it. And then we, like, passed it. And I was, like, uh. He's, like, driving, like, up into the mountains, like, on these, like, dirt roads that I was, like, this isn't right. And then he, like – Finally, like it was very much one of those times that I was like, is this is this, is this how this happens? Is this what's happening right now? Like, oh, my ugh. gosh. <laughs> um, but then he just like turned around and was like, oh, yeah, I was wrong. And then like just dropped me off at the hotel. Like it was nothing. But it was such I a mean, weird. Like, but think what if it wasn't nothing. Right. And he just lost his courage that time. Right. Yeah. Like, And the next the next one, it did, they didn't get so lucky. Right. The next person that got in this Greek cab <laughs> in Athens. Yeah. Maybe but, yeah. he took one look at you and he was like, this girl is way too fierce. I'm yeah, not going to be able right. to take her down. 
<laughs> this American girl. People will miss her. Yeah. <laughs> make sure that it's it's somewhere at someone else. But it was yeah, it was such like I remember like being like he's like driving on these roads that, that are like all bumpy and stuff. And I was like, this isn't where the hotel is. Yeah, see, you were you were assertive. You could have I mean, yeah. you just like pointing it out and being assertive, you might have saved your own life. Right, maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. That's what I'm gonna go yeah, with. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to pretend that I was super like Ugh. Yeah. He probably was just lost. We're throwing this guy under the bus. Yeah. The only part that I thought was weird is I was straight up like, there it is. And then we just like drove by it. And then he was like, no, because it's like, G-. and his honestly, his GPS was telling him to like, like I was looking at his phone. It was telling oh. him to like, go up on these weird things. Yeah. Like, no, he was just lost. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> um, anyway, back to these gruesome murders. <laughs> So, yeah, so um, Jesse came and was and then reported that her illegal Canadian immigrant brother was on this farm. So the authorities went to the farm and apparently Gordon Northcott like saw the cops coming. And so he like ran away. So it was just Sanford that was there when the cops showed up and he immediately was like, he has been using me to commit all these crimes. Like he's been doing all these things. There's been all these boys here and he would kill them and dissolve their body in quicklime. Yeah. So um, the police found, it says that they found the uh, blood soaked ground, which I don't particularly know what that means, but whatever. So, and they did find remains, like they found bones and they found uh, library cards and Boy Scout badges. Like, they oh, found things God, belonging to oh, boys. that's so horrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the first kind of boys that they could confirm, actually the only boys that they could really confirm were on this farm, were these two boys out of Pomona uh, named Nelson and Lewis Winslow. And they were 10- and 12-year-old brothers who had been missing for a couple months as well. Hmm. And then there was also, they just kept calling him the Mexican boy, like this kid uh, named Elvin Gotha, who I, I don't know why there's like not a lot of information about him. I feel like maybe it's just that like nobody reported him missing or like Aww. there wasn't really anything known about him. Hmm. Or it was just like your run of the mill racism. Right. Yes. Um, and then Stanford said that Walter Collins was on the farm like he confirmed it but there was never any proof found Hmm. so it was always believed that walter collins was on the farm but like i said Hmm. there was no proof of that gordon and his mother sarah louise who his mother seemed like just as much of trash as he is uh, Hmm. were apprehended later that month trying to get into canada um, Hmm. and then they were taken back down to la immediately his mother, Sarah Louise Northcott, admitted to all the crimes. She was like, it was me. And it was very much seen as like a tactic to try to defend her son. Gross. Yeah, gross. A hundred percent. Like, um, And so then the trial started in uh, September and he, he never really admitted to these crimes. He said that the boys were on his farm, but he like was really cagey about what happened to them. Um, he did later admit to killing the brothers and then the Mexican boy, but he would ne- he never said anything about Walter Collins. It was always just these three boys. Um, yeah, he's just a piece of shit. Right. Yes. Yeah, 100%. So like I said, the only thing that they were really going on that Walter Collins was on this farm was the word of this 15-year-old Sanford Clark. Sanford Clark said that the boys were killed with an axe, but then the mother said that they were just beaten up and killed. So it, it's just everybody's just like telling lies. Like when everyone is lying, it's hard to figure out who's. Yeah. You know, you like, it's, yeah. So every, every, like everything about this case has like three different like stories and it's just kind of like who you want to, huh. to believe, I guess. 
So um, Gordon Northcott's mother, Sarah Louise Northcott, was sentenced to life in prison, which it's believed that the only reason that she didn't get the death penalty was because she's a woman, which is great. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gordon Northcott was sentenced to death. So while he was waiting execution, he said, Gordon, just to like be the biggest shit ever, I guess, sent a telegram to Christine, Walter Collins's mother, saying that he would tell her the truth if she came up to the prison to talk to him. Okay. So Christine, who... I mean, I'm sure it's just a mother who just wants answers, like just wants to know. Hey, how about you not be a horrible fucking person and make this right. poor woman come into a prison right? to yeah. like relive this awful experience and have to look you in the eye? Like, why don't you just write a letter and tell her the truth? Right. Yeah. You like, know, like a, a decent or feel like- even better. Why don't you have someone else as your proxy? Mm-hmm. Let her know, like a police officer or a lawyer, so that she doesn't have to have direct interaction with someone who was an right. murderer, yeah. her son. Right. Like I, I just feel like people like this is to me. This is like, like severe mental health issues. Like this is just a a person that is just a shitty person and will be. You know what I mean? Like it's like they can't <sighs> help it. I guess so but like we can't it's just somebody should have stopped her i right yeah somebody should have said this this man's just gonna play with you until yeah he was just a a terrible person like just a person with like these huge issues of like being a pathological liar and like i'm sure there's like narcissism and like all those kind of like clinical issues that like he can't like i hate to say he can't help himself but like it's not like he has some moral compass that went crazy. He doesn't See, have a moral compass. This is like, the thing. This is where I go back and forth on the death penalty. Just right. if you kill little kids, maybe you don't get to live anymore. Right. No, I, you I know, agree. Like, especially if you do it like over and over again, maybe you don't get right. to be here. Right. I don't know. Like, I know that the whole argument is like, oh, well, you know, we're no better than the murderers themselves. And I'm just like... I don't know. Like, I feel the same way about like, like, I feel like if you were to be like with no real context, be like, do you support the death penalty? I'd be like, no. But then if you like gave this context of like, this man killed at least three boys and is just continuing to be harassed the family of another one who's lost right. their child. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard. I don't know. Yeah. That's, I feel the same way. Very conflicted about the death penalty sometimes mm-hmm. that it's like. On its face, no. I don't think that the state has any right to kill people. But there are some people that I think just don't deserve to live anymore. Like it's, yeah. it's a really difficult it's question. Tough. Right. So so he wrote this this letter to Christine Collins, to Walter Collins's mom, and was like, I'll tell you the truth about what happened. So she went to San Quentin the night of his execution, and Gordon immediately backpedaled. He was like, I don't want to see you. I don't know anything about it. I'm innocent. And he wouldn't, like, talk to her. Now, I wonder, did he just do that to fuck with somebody? Just to, like, right. do one last shitty thing before he yes. died? I th- I think just that's... Just torture one more person? Yes. I think that's what it was. Like, it just was not... Oh, my God, I hate him. Yes. Yeah, you should. You're supposed to hate him. <laughs> um, his last moments, just to, like... I don't know if this will make you feel any better. I don't know. His last moments are, like, pretty pathetic. He was being... When he was being led away to his cells, to the gallows, he kept asking the guards if it would hurt. 
And then when he got to the gallows, he asked to be blindfolded so he wouldn't have to see it. Oh, so much drama. Yeah, he was, yes. Uh, He was begging his captors not to walk fast. I I guess, I don't know quite how hanging, I don't know how death works in general, but um, they have to like wait for like the exact scheduled time while they were like standing there, I guess, waiting for the exact time that he was supposed to die. uh, Northcott was begging somebody in the room to pray for him. You know, the thing is, is that it's not that hard to not murder multiple children. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a crime of passion. You didn't just make a mistake. Like. Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, that's, I mean, that kind of goes back to the death penalty thing. Is that, like, it It wasn't just that his moral compass, like, went off for a second. He doesn't have one. Like, yeah. he just doesn't have. Yeah. Anyway. So, mm-hmm. five years after his death, one of the other boys that was thought to have been murdered on the farm showed up alive. So that led to more speculation that maybe Walter was around somewhere. Hmm. So Christine tried for the rest of her life to find him. She never gave up hope. She always thought that he was alive. She Well, I mean, she gave up hope for five days before she called the cops. Right. Oh. <laughs> I'm victim blaming. Yeah. I shouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. They're long dead. Yeah. They're, how many years after somebody dies? Right. Can we just like say the shit that we're really thinking? Is that called the Titanic conundrum or something like that? That you're allowed to make fun of the Titanic, but like you're not allowed to make fun of like 9-11. Like there is a like time frame that you're allowed to make fun of people dying. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, But yeah, so this kid turned up. It's not known exactly how many victims were found. It could be anywhere between five and 20. Um, His mother. So just to like wrap up all the people in the story, his mother. So Sarah Louise Northcott was sentenced to life in prison, but she only served 12 years because of course she did. Um, She died in 1944. Christine Collins died in 1964, still believing that her son was alive. Uh, Stanford Clark, who I feel like is the, like, saddest part of the story, he was never tried for the murders because police felt like he was forced to assist. Mm -hmm. Um, He did serve 23 months in a state, like, delinquent youth home or something like that in California before he was finally returned to Canada. He probably really wanted to just let me go back to Canada. Mm. Um, He did serve in World War II. Uh, He later married and he adopted two kids because he said he felt like he had like evil in his genes and he like didn't want to like continue that line. I get that. Yeah. I mean, if my uncle had like murdered murdered a bunch of of children i'd be like you know what i think we're just gonna get some dogs yeah i felt like that my my uh uh, i have a family member that has god rest him and since passed on but i i always felt like he was really mean and there were times in my life where i was like oh i have this like mean gene in me and i'd like really (laughs) yeah like i can totally understand that like thinking that no he was probably just a dick (laughs) i know right no he he definitely was (laughs) Um, the town of Wineville changed its name after in 1930. It's now called Mira Loma. Okay. And in 2008, there was a film that Clint Eastwood uh, directed named Changeling that starred Angelina Jolie. That was about this case. And uh, she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress for her performance. I never watched that movie. Maybe I should watch it. I never did either. But I did know about it. So that was, yeah. So that's the... Story, a very bridge story. There's a whole lot more about the Wineville murders, but that is the story of Walter Collins. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know all of that. I feel yeah. like I'd heard about the um, the farm, the wine, Wineville, Wineville, yeah, the yeah. Wineville farm. But yeah, okay, 
All right. So I am doing something very, very different. <laughs> okay. Than that story. Okay. Yeah, I can't even think of a more different story <laughs> than the one I'm going to tell right now. Okay. So normally I uh, do like history. I think mm -hmm. we both do things from the mm -hmm. past. But this is from today and also <gasps> in the future. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is a very exciting story, kind of, also just like information about the James Webb Telescope. <gasps> oh, yay. Uh, oh. Which <laughs> I am kind of obsessed with. Yes. I am so into this situation that's happening. I think it's going to change so much about the way we look at the universe and mm -hmm. the way we look at the creation of the universe and the way we look at possible interplanetary travel. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it'll reveal all kinds of really interesting things. So if you don't oh. know what the James Webb Telescope is, it's this new telescope that just went out into space and it does some pretty amazing things. The last telescope that they had out there was the Hubble telescope. Mm -hmm. And that was fantastic for the time. This is like a thousand light years better. It's it's amazing what it can do. Hubble is still out there, right? Yeah. It's just not taking, I mean, obviously the like pictures and the information that it's gathering mm -hmm. doesn't compare to like the new technology. It's like super old. Yeah. Like, from, yeah. Like, yeah. The 80s or uh -huh. Yeah. It's from the 80s. Uh, so yeah. this new telescope is also very different in that it's a lot further than the Hubble telescope. So I'll get to all of that. But first, I'm going to give you a little background on the telescope itself, how it came to be, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know anything about telescopes. <laughs> <laughs> you got this. You got this. I kind of know a little bit about this one, but I am not a scientist, obviously. I don't think I need to explain that to people. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a lot of, like huge numbers too like it's a lot of big numbers yeah <laughs> but i'm gonna try my best you got this. and i'm gonna cut out anything that's gonna make me sound stupid which will probably <laughs> be half of this because i nah. still don't fully understand it but that's okay I'm, I'm gonna try to tell you guys about it because you know what go look it up on your own you'll you'll think it's cool too um but i'm gonna try to tell you what i what i know so i hopefully all this is is just like a little seed for you to want to go check it out and then you can get a much clearer picture of it from people who actually know what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the James Webb Telescope, it's a result of an international collaboration between NASA, the European Space Agency, and the Canadian Space Agency. So all three of these agencies got together to create this telescope, although NASA is really the one that's doing the most, footing the largest part of the bill for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the telescope is named after James E. Webb, who was an administrator for NASA from 1961 to 1968. And he's a guy, he played this really big role in the Apollo program. He was in charge of NASA when that went down. So they're trying to, like, I guess, honor him. There are some people that I will say uh, are not happy about naming it the James Webb Telescope because... This guy's from the 60s, obviously. There's going to be problems. Oh. I was just going to say, what a, like, what a, like, huge honor, like, to yeah. be. Yeah. That's going to, like, advance our knowledge of the universe so much. Yeah. But, yeah. 
and he was a white guy in the 60s, you know, so yeah. there's there's probably going to be some problems. Um, right. So right now, people are questioning whether or not he was involved in the persecuting of uh, gay and lesbian people in the 1950s. He had like multiple leadership roles in the U.S. government during that period. And during that time was when the federal government really systematically fired gay and lesbian people for their sexual orientation. Oh. So it was like kind of like if they found out you were gay, you would lose your government job. Oh, wow. But I will say that as far as NASA said, after they did an internal investigation, they didn't find any evidence to support that claim. So I feel like they probably looked into that very tight. Like anytime you're naming something after somebody like well, now in like the age of like Internet sleuths yeah. and whatever, I feel like you got to do a fairly rigorous background check into they, the person. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they didn't really look into it until after people were like, whoa, hey, he's a white guy from the 60s. Let's try to find something. And according to them, they couldn't find anything that he did. So they can't find that he actually was involved with the firing of anyone. But there are questions. And there was not a lot of transparency on the part of NASA as far as their investigation goes. They didn't like release any documents or anything like that. What? A government body not being... (laughs) That's shocking. Yeah. So... I mean, whatever. I'm not going to throw this guy under the bus because we don't know for sure if he did anything. He probably did something. Look, people aren't perfect. Like, we cannot judge people of the past by the standards of today. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of can on some level, but, like, yeah, I don't know. I think think we get into a really weird situation when we start to do that. Well, I mean, there's a difference, too, between, like, a really egregious crime Mm -hmm. and then just kind of like having to like dig through somebody's like to see if he might have said something one time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I feel like there, there's a difference. Yeah. Uh, there's still a number of astronomers that are asking for it to be renamed. And some of them have decided to instead call it the just wonderful telescope, which I think is <laughs> I feel- also great. Sure. You so do. The JWST. Yeah. The JWST had a long, long road to its launch date. Discussions of a new telescope after the Hubble started all the way back in the 1980s, but serious planning didn't begin until the 1990s. In 2005, as the planning continued, the life cycle cost of the project was estimated to be about $4.5 billion. So it cost hmm? the lifetime of the telescope? That's yeah. how long it would cost? Yeah, so three point oh. five billion for the design, development, and launch, and then approximately one billion for ten years of operations. So that's what they came up with at first. I mean, I mean, not to like be throwing around money, but I don't know that that doesn't seem awful. <laughs> Do Over you have four point five billion? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, technology costs money, right? That's Oh, don't worry. It goes up. That's what I'm trying to like get across is that like technology yeah. and like investigating things and finding out more about things that are important. Cause like I don't want to sound like an elitist or something. That's just like, oh, a billion dollars, whatever. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. But I do realize that like. I mean, I, I would argue that this is the most advanced technology that we have as human beings right now. Right. Which so, I think is important. Yeah. Like, I feel like we live in this age now of like very anti-intellectualism and mm-hmm. anti-science and anti like that for some reason people are really opposed to like finding out more about the world we live in. 
Yeah. And it yeah. seems very strange to me. Like I things cost money. Like it costs money to do studies. It costs money to make people's lives better. It costs yeah. money to find out about the universe that we live in. And and I guess that I I don't know, over over the lifetime of something being alive compared to the amount of money that the US government spends on other things. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, this is a much better use of our of our tax dollars for sure. Right. I just don't want to sound like I'm like some elitist that's like not billion dollars, whatever. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you do. Yeah. Um, okay. So starting in 2007, that's when all the plans started going through uh, basically all these review processes. So there were all these certifying things that had to be done. There was a non-advocate review, a preliminary design review, an integrated science instrument module review. Basically, the plans like it took a really long time just to get the plans together. And then on July 6 in 2011, the United States House of Representatives decided that they were going to nix the plans. What year was that? This was in 2011. Uh, they decided mm-hmm. to just cancel the project. They were like, it's way too much money. They were about $1.9 billion over the budget at this point. So they'd gone from like... billion to basically 5.5 billion. They were just like, this is too much money. Mm -hmm. This is plagued with, you know, budget overages and poor management. And really, it's just like, like you said, science takes a long time. It's not so much poor management is that like they had to make sure that they got everything right. Yeah. You have to set realistic expectations. <laughs> like, make sure you're setting things up for success. There were some other criticisms as well to the amount of money that was being spent on the telescope simply because um, it was taking up all of the budget for, like, space exploration, essentially. Nature called it the telescope that ate astronomy. So all of this money was going into developing this telescope and other astronomers weren't being able to get funding for their own projects. So Mm. there was a little bit of, there's only so much money to go around because we're fighting forever wars. So, you know, (laughs) like you said, (laughs) or we were fighting forever wars and now there might be another one soon. Who knows? I'm Uh, sure, I'm sure there will be. There's always one on the, on the horizon. Always one on the horizon. Uh, But that, cancellation didn't last too long. Then in November of 2011, Congress reversed the plans to cancel the JWST and instead capped additional funding to complete the project at $8 billion. Wow. I feel like that's a that's a better reaction. Like instead of being like, get rid of all of this, just being like, you cannot spend any more money. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. didn't work either. They still spent more money. Uh, of course it didn't. So they were supposed to launch the telescope in 2020. But in 2018, NASA delayed the launch an additional year to March 2021 after the telescope's sun shield ripped during a practice deployment. And the sun shield's cables didn't sufficiently tighten. Um... So the JWST launch and deployment has about 344 potential single point failures when it goes into a deployment. And those tasks had no alternative means of recovery if unsuccessful out in space. What does that mean? Like that's how many points could possibly fail? Yes, that's how many things could fail. And if one of them fails, that's it. The whole thing is over with. So that's why when in 2018 there was a problem with the sun shield, which is basically Mm -hmm. what keeps the telescope cool, they were like, we have to go back to the drawing board and make sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. So in February of 2019, despite expressing criticism for the cost growth, Congress increased the mission's cost cap by another $800 million. Today, NASA's lifetime cost for the project is expected to be $9.7 billion, oh, of which $8.8 billion comes from the United States. So, yeah. It's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I forgot that you said that there were a bunch of other Right. But, I mean, most of it's from NASA. (laughs) But still, like, I wonder how that affects the, like, if they're like, we're not going to do this anymore. Well, oh, no. it's Now it's done. Well, no. I mean, like, in the past, like, when they were, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody else was fronting any real money for this. I mean, (laughs) I say no real money, but, I mean, the the Canada threw in $200 and, um. Europe threw in 700 million euros. So, I mean, they put in money, but nothing like what NASA did. Yeah. It wasn't until August 2019 that the mechanical integration of the telescope was completed, something that was actually scheduled to be done 12 years before in 2007. But like I said, it took them a really long time to get it all together. But after it was completed, they sent it through some final tests, and then they took it on a ship, and they sent it through the Panama Canal in October of 2021. And that's when it landed in the French Guiana. Mm. Did I say that right? Yeah, French Guiana. That's where they are shot off into space. Really? Huh. That's interesting. Huh. I mean, I thought all the, like, Cape Canaveral, I thought that's No, no, no. They did it from somewhere else for some reason. I wonder if that has to do with the fact that it was, like, kind of international. Was that... (sighs) doing it on Mm, i don't know why they would risk sending it through the panama canal like i don't know why they would risk that if it wasn't for a very specific reason right so i don't know what it is but whatever the case is yeah maybe like a northern hemisphere southern hemisphere maybe they had a reason they're smart yeah so i'm guessing they're smart yes i'm sure they had a reason (laughs) i'm sure they had a reason yeah. Uh, several thousand scientists, engineers, and technicians spanning 15 countries have contributed to the build, though. So it was a wow. very big project. A total of 258 companies, government agencies, and academic institutions got it to the point of launch. So it was a, it was wow. a huge project. Yeah. It took a lot of time and a lot of money. But after years and years of delays and overages... The JWST was successfully launched on the 25th of December, 2021. So not that long ago. Yeah. It's a very exciting day, very scary day. But it it all went according to plan, which is crazy. Everything worked out perfectly. It launched great. It deployed great in space. And it's actually now to where it needs to be. It traveled all the way to where it needs to be. It got there, I think, a couple days ago as of this recording. So very exciting. Like where it's going to like orbit around. Exactly. And I'll talk about that orbit in just a little bit. Um, So you might be asking by now, what will it observe and why is it so important? What will it absorb? Absorb, sorry. (laughs) What will it observe and why is it so important? And this is the most exciting part because like I said in the beginning, it's going to tell us a lot of information. Uh, It has four key goals. One is to search for light from the first stars and galaxies that formed the universe after the Big Bang. Two, it's going to study galaxy formations and evolution of galaxies to basically tell us, like, how galaxies are made. 
Um, three, to understand star formation and planet formation. And four, to study planetary systems and the origins of life. So it's wow. going to tell Lofty us goals. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, it can check for the building blocks of life on other worlds. It can also study planets that are located in habitable zones that are like within reach of Earth. I mean, kind of in reach, like within like we could get there somehow, some way, hmm. someday, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I don't know. I thought that that's really cool. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, one of the most interesting things about the telescope is where it's positioned in space. Uh, it will orbit the sun near what's called the second Lagrange point of the sun-Earth system. This is about 930,000 miles farther from the sun than Earth's orbit. So it's about four times farther than the moon's orbit from us. Normally, a project circling the sun farther out than Earth would take longer than one year to complete its orbit. But because it's near this Lagrange 2 point, it combines the gravitational pull of the Earth and the sun, allowing the spacecraft to orbit the sun at the same time it takes the Earth to orbit around the sun. Staying close to the Earth allows the data rates to be much faster. So that's going to help us or help them, I would say, the scientists uh, have a clearer read on the cosmos. So it's not really like, I mean, that far, I guess, is relative. But like, it's not like it's that far away. It's just able to see way farther. No, it's super far. It's just the way that it orbits is like faster. Mm. It's like this weird point in space. I didn't fully understand it. I really, this might have been a mistake doing this story. (laughs) No, no, I'm, no, I'm, it's. I think it's really interesting. It does this kind of like slingshotty thing. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't know. I feel like I've seen that before, like animations of like the slingshot, like how it kind of goes around things and uses like other planets' gravitational pull and the sun's gravitational pull to like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So the cool thing about this telescope or one of the cool things about the telescope is its mirror that it uses to basically like read this infrared uh, light, which is it's a kind of light that's much better for viewing planets and stars that are further away because of the way that infrared light works. Infrared light can pass more freely through cosmic dust and like debris so you can see it better. And then relatively cooler objects, which are temperatures less than like a thousand, several thousand degrees, they emanate their radiation primarily in infrared. Uh, So there are like certain planets like dwarf stars. I think they call them like brown dwarfs, certain types Mm -hmm. of dwarf stars that are like brown dwarfs and comets that you can really only see with this infrared picture. Wow. And then it's also just that the more distant an object is, the younger it appears, and its light has taken longer to reach human observers. And because the universe is, like, expanding, as light Mm -hmm. travels, it becomes redshifted, and objects that are an extreme distance are therefore easier to see if you can see them in this infrared. So That's always the most, like, when people talk about that, like, you know, things being further away and they're younger and taking millions of years for us to just see something that like mm-hmm. baffled like that boggles my mind like trying to like comprehend that yeah but, like yeah there are things that we can see that happen that seem like they're happening right now but they actually like happened millions of years ago because of how long it takes yeah Ugh, it's that's crazy yeah i don't fully have it in my mind either so don't worry <laughs> it's too big to like you know really get yeah it. like 
I think you can understand it like in theory, but right. Yeah. So the mirror on the telescope, which is really just like its crown jewel, it's about 22 feet across. It's the largest mirror ever to go into space. Uh, for comparison, the Hubble mirror was only 7.8 feet across. And the JWST's wow. mirror is coated in like this gold, and it's comprised of 18 hexagonal sections. Each one is about the size of a large table. And there's over a hundred motors on those mirrors that can adjust in these really subtle movements, changing their direction depending on what's being observed. So wow. the JWST has four very sensitive instruments designed to detect infrared signals. And those instruments are housed in the spacecraft's bus, which is basically just like a very large box. It's made of graphite composite. It also contains like the thrusters, the computer, and all the communications equipment as well. One of the trickiest things about the design of this telescope was how to keep the bus cool enough. Um, so engineers designed this massive sun shield. It basically keeps its components at 37 degrees Kelvin, which is super cold. Yeah. That's negative... 393 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh. It's like really, really, really hot on one side and really, really cold on the other because of this amazing sun shield that they yeah. engineered. Within two weeks of the telescope going up, the sun shield unfurled, uh, and it's about the length of a tennis court. So it's enormous. Oh, wow. yeah. This was really the most nerve-wracking part of the deployment because if anything went wrong, the whole project was done for, kind of like I said before. Right. And there was no coming back from that. So basically, like, you know, $9 billion just down the drain, essentially. Can you imagine how, like, paranoid everybody was? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that the Hubble... It could be reached and repaired. So like they could mm -hmm. send astronauts up to the Hubble and repair anything that went wrong. But this telescope, it's too far. They can't reach it. So once it's out there, oh. that's it. Like, there's nothing that can be done. Do you remember? I feel like we were in elementary school or something like that, that they fixed. They did something with the Hubble. Yes. Yeah. They, like, put yeah. a lens on it or mm -hmm. something. And it was a big deal. Yeah. 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 They're not going to be able to do that with this. They can't do that. No. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it was very scary. But once it's out there, now that it's out there and it's in the correct spot and it's orbiting on that Lagrange point, the scariest part is over. Mm. So they're pretty okay. much good for now. Yeah. From what I read, that was like if there's something was going to go wrong, it was going to happen during the launcher deployment of it. So, yeah. Yeah. The the main hurdles are. Yeah. Are done. Yeah. So. Now that it's there, it can be there for about 10 years, is what they, they said. That's about the lifespan of it. Um, and it'll explore parts of the universe that we've never even seen before. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I am super excited, so too. Cool. And basically, the way it works is, like, different scientists and astronomers have, like, a certain allotted amount of time on the um, telescope. So I watched this really great 60 Minutes on it which mm -hmm. I highly recommend anybody listening to this go listen to them talk about it because they know way more than I do. And like I said, this <laughs> is just a seed. This is just, you go check it out. Don't take my word for any of this. Just know that there is a telescope out there. It's really cool. I don't fully understand it, but I do understand it enough to know it's cool. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, like, go go see what they say about it. Um, yeah, so that's, like, basically, like, like somebody will have like a hundred hours on it, right? So like if there's like a certain astronomer that wants to study like things that are happening in our solar system, so they have like a hundred hours 
that they can take pictures and like move the little like mirrors to point at the things that they want to see and different scientists are studying different things and so that's cool it's all really wild i don't know i just think like it's gonna like prove so much of what has just Mm -hmm. been theory and we're gonna learn so many things that like we didn't know before like to be able to prove the big bang like that's crazy yeah yeah yeah, scientifically prove it. Yeah. So is, I mean, is that how it works? Then? So I've, I've always kind of wondered that. So like if I was a scientist and I, I had this, this suspicion that something interesting was happening in this like one point in the universe, I could like rent essentially time. Well, to- I, I don't know that it's so much renting. I don't know how they like decided who was going to get time on it. But my guess is that like different scientific institutions submitted yeah for time and then based on their proposal of what they were going to look at and the scientists that they had on board i don't think it was as simple as like i'm gonna i'm gonna rent the james wood telescope for a couple hours today and go look at weird planets i think it was like um you know they probably had to send in some kind of a proposal and it went through some committee and then um because i mean it's already paid for you know so i don't think that they're like yeah but yeah, I guess I, I see what you're saying. You mean like each person gets a little bit of time on it. Yeah, essentially. Right. Yeah. That's that's cool. And there's a schedule. You can find it online. You can see like who's looking at what right now. I I, I want, I think that there's people like right away that are using it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they give it a little time to go through its orbit or if they're just like, okay, it's at its point. Let's let's kick it into gear and start right away. Yeah. Um, but there is a schedule online and you can look at that and see who has what time and what they're going to be looking at and what they're going to be seeing. I think it takes a while before they have the images ready for public consumption, though. Right, um, yeah. Because if they showed us what they saw, it might not make a lot of sense to us if we just right. saw it because it's in infrared. So I think that they, like, kind of artistically, like, I don't I don't know exactly how they do it, but they... Well, even the, like, the pictures from, like, the Hubble telescope are, like... Like you have to like splice them together and you have to do. Yeah. But those pictures are like breathtaking, like seeing those. Yeah. Like yeah. Columns and different star. Yeah. Stars that are distant. Oh, I can't. I can't wait. It's gonna be so cool. Yeah. And then they can also tell like what kind of gases are on certain planets and then they mm-hmm. can like make the, the picture according to that. So I think that it's like um, It's really fascinating, and I think it's going to change the way that we look at the universe, and I think that that's amazing, and I think they – I just really hope they find aliens. Like, that's just – I just want (laughs) – I want to find – I just – I really do. Yeah. (laughs) I think that would be so so cool. I know. They are. It makes me feel like I'm like, okay, like, like you just, like, you look at that, and then you look, like, at, like – not smart you're just like wow there's a big difference between individuals yeah i feel like that like because i i mean i always feel like the maybe not as smart people tend to get the most like attention because like people like like people that are super smart are like doing super smart things yeah and so like to see the results of that like to be able to be like this picture happened because of the other end of the spectrum. Like I feel like I'm just smart enough to not argue on the internet. Right. <laughs> but nowhere near smart enough to put a telescope in space. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. I feel like oh, I, I'm like right I, there. I'm just smart enough to understand how amazing this thing is, but not mm-hmm. smart enough to really understand how it works. <laughs> 
Well, I feel like being smart enough to acknowledge that there are people out there that are way smarter than you yeah. is a form of intelligence. Oh, like totally. Being like yeah. Also, these people else. dedicated their lives to this. The whole so lives, I mean, right. like, it's not like they just had this knowledge like out of the womb. So I'm not going to feel right. too bad. But I, I do really yeah. think that they're brilliant. And I think that this is brilliant. And I'm so excited to see what it shows us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think there's a little uh, <laughs> out of the womb, like kind of a little bit of nature. A little bit of nature, got, yeah. Yeah, like that definitely got nurtured. But I yeah. mean, I don't, I was never. I think I'm just no trying to I make myself ever. feel better after I butchered that story. <laughs> you did. I don't think you butchered it. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that like, have you ever seen, there's like YouTube videos where they'll, they'll like explain something in like five different levels. Like they'll like explain it for a five-year-old and then explain it for like a beginner and then explain it for whatever and and like varying levels of like I feel like you gave a very good like oh thank you very beginner explanation of something that is obviously incredibly complicated it's so like, complicated oh my yeah. gosh the way that they like engineered this and basically like the sun shield it looks just like tin foil right it's crazy yeah. and it's like it is able to block out all these rays and like the difference between the sides are so mm-hmm. crazy different in temperatures. I just think, I don't know. It's amazing. And yeah. I have to say, I did watch the 60 Minutes on it. And like I said, I, I cannot stress enough to go watch the the 60 Minutes episode where they cover this. Um, yeah. But there were, are a lot of women that worked on this project. Yeah. Like Woo-hoo. a lot of women. Um, yep. A lot of the astronomers that they talked to that are going to be looking at different places in space and, and, you know, doing a bunch of experiments once they have their time on the telescope. A lot of them were women. Um, mm-hmm. One of the main engineers on the sun shield was a woman. It's just like, I just think that that's really cool to see. And I yeah. want to see more of it because I feel like only recently have women been such a strong force in the scientific right. world because right. they just didn't have the opportunity before. And I just think it's amazing. And so it was really cool to see. It's funny what you can accomplish when you don't eliminate half of mankind. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, you, if yeah. you, like That's regardless true. of it being, regardless of it being, like great that it's women and and we're women, and I'm I'm great. I'm glad to hear about women advancing. But like I feel like anytime you're like, oh no, this group of people, yeah. we're not going to let them in. It's like, well, there are really smart people in that group of people. Yeah, you're obviously. shooting yourself like, in the foot. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Good to hear. Yay, ladies. Yeah. Done. Yeah, it was just good to see. I mean, there yeah. are lots of really, really smart men, too, that, that obviously right. worked on the project. But it was just nice to to see, like, you know, because you think about, like, when our grandmothers were alive and, like, there were only, like, a handful of women at NASA at that right. point in time that were actually able, not able, but were even allowed to do the science. And so right. seeing the difference now. Is- yeah. Yeah. I just think yeah. it's great. So yeah, that was my that was my story. Yay, loved it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you want to do our rundown? Sure. Do you want me to go first? Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, so I had this big goal that I was so like deter I, I haven't really been running and I've been like I feel like it's one of those things that like you don't realize what in it what a like important part of your life it is until you don't do it but I've I've been in a big like stage of transition like I mm-hmm. I moved recently and I started a new job and like things have been very a transition transitional period and and things are kind of I think it's hard to have your routine when you're mm-hmm. doing that 
Mm-hmm. And so I haven't been running a lot. And so in January, like there's th- where I move, there's amazing running trails and I'm so excited to like try them out. And I'm, I'm like in a big city now, which is, mm. ugh, I'm so happy about. <laughs> and, um, and so I had this like goal to do a hundred miles in January to run a hundred miles in January. And I was like writing everything down and I was super determined, but I am a big baby when it comes to cold weather and I, I'm a Texan uh, through and through and it's, it's not just cold there. It's yes. like, uh, like 40 degrees. Yes. <laughs> it was 40 degrees for, it's actually nice today, but it was 40 degrees for like two weeks and like rainy, like every other day. And I really like to run on, I feel like they're like getting rid of a lot of them, but I really like to run on the like, uh, crushed granite paths like the, yeah they're nice mm-hmm. yeah but they're like i don't know i feel like it's the bikers it's always bikers that are like telling them to pave them and i'm like no um, no it but feels better on the feet that's yeah. what i yeah but i feel like bikers are just louder and it's like ugh, can you just leave they're them? so obnoxious like, those ugh, bikers and yes. they wear like like the yeah. ones that wear like the uh the suits that have like the zip brand the zip. names on them. I'm like, yeah. dude, you're not fucking sponsored. <laughs> Will you like, relax? Yeah. yeah, just relax. Like, but yeah, you work so at I... a pet store. Like, let's not pretend you're. <laughs> but I, I feel like so if it's been raining any time in the past like two days, if you're running on those crushed granite paths, it like kicks up on the back. Me anyway, it kicks up like on the back of my calves that I don't, and it like gets in my shoes and Mm -hmm. I got, so anyway, so I'm a big baby. And so I didn't do it because I like had like 10 days that I didn't run, but I told myself, so I I mean, February is too short, so I'm not going to do it in February, but March, I'm going to start it up again. I'm going to get my, my hundred mile March. I feel like that is better alliteration anyway. Sounds better. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. So that's my running story that like I had a goal and I didn't accomplish it, but I'm going to, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do it. If at first <laughs> but, you don't succeed. Right. Yeah. Let it warm up. <laughs> Let it warm up. Yeah. Oh, I hate, the, I hate the cold. Like I would rather run in 90 degree weather than 40 degree weather. I hate, I hate the cold so much. <laughs> so I live somewhere where it's actually cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never run. I'd and run if it for like was 40 two months degrees of- outside. I would be running my ass off, but Ugh. it's not. It's 10. Ugh. Today, it's like, no. I think today's <laughs> weather is between 10 and 25 degrees. And we had a snowstorm yesterday mm-hmm. and we got our car stuck in our driveway. It was <gasps> a nightmare. Um, but we're out now. Yay. So good. that was good. Um, I think my running is, I, my running story is, I have not been running. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like since Omicron hit, I got like super dark. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people did. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of struggle when I get that way. Um, and I think a lot of people do. I don't think I'm original yeah. in that, but, um, it keeps me from like doing, like taking care of myself in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Depression. It's let's just call it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's depression. Yeah. Um, and so my goal is to get out of it. And I'm trying to make some really big changes in my life too, just to kind of like do new things. So my I have mine as a goal too. I really want to get back out there as soon as it gets warmer and start just like getting healthy again. Mm-hmm. This is I, this just sounds kind of sad, but I just I feel like I haven't been doing anything. I feel like I need to. So I think to, in order to do that, I need to find inspiration first. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be in these last like 
month of cold weather, I'm going to be like searching for ways to inspire myself to run so that when it does get warmer outside, I can really do it. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to like, I've been putting together some playlists and I've been looking at some new places to go. And, um, yeah. yeah. So right now I'm I'm in I'm like you I'm in a planning phase. It's just way too cold. You can't run outside in this. I'd probably honestly probably slip slip and like really hurt myself. Yeah. Um. So I've just been doing I've been doing Peloton mm-hmm. a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah. So that's like what I'm doing. I'm trying to like find inspiration because it's hard to do things when you're not inspired. Right. And so oh, sometimes yeah. you just have to like get yourself to that point first. Sometimes some days you know. It's easy to just get up and run and not think about it. Right. But, like, I feel like I need to, like, plan some Mm -hmm. things to get me out the door when it finally does warm up. So I'm going to do that. Maybe I should do – I don't know if it's going to be nice all of March, though. But I I do the 100-mile March with you. Yeah. If it is. But I don't – I think we're probably going to get a few more snowstorms. So. Yuck. I'm just holding on until it gets warmer, and maybe that'll be enough inspiration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I feel like the weather, for me anyway, the weather is like the biggest determinant. Like, yeah. even as far, like, even when it's not running, like, it's just kind of like how your day is going to be. Like, you like wake yeah. up in the morning and it's cold and it's dark and it's rainy. It's like this day is going to be shitty, like, period. Like, yeah, it's it's really hard for me anyway to like overcome that. And maybe it's, I, I mean, it definitely is because I like live in a place that's generally pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, when I live live in other places when I have lived in other places maybe I wasn't as influenced but like here it's just like oh most days it is pretty nice and so when it's not it's like this is the worst ever like yeah (laughs) it's just now Uh. overcoming it but I feel like it's like good to like even when you're not actively running to like make sure that you're trying to like develop like stick that back into your routine and yeah like yeah I I feel like you're you're doing good you're I'm you're trying. as long as you're like moving forward. That's what I always tell myself is that like sometimes you're not taking like leaps and bounds forward, but at least you're not like little steps are still steps. Like totally, just, yeah, that's right. Just keep pushing. Yeah, but yeah, I'll I'll get to my and then I have the I have a couple runs coming up too. So oh nice, hopefully you can uh, yeah. Nice, I just, nice. It was I'm like running with a friend and I'm like I, he was texting me yesterday and he's like showed me some like ten mile like he ran like three miles in like 10 minute miles. And I'm like, I'm nowhere near that. Uh, I'll see you at the finish line. Like you'll be like two beers in by the time I get there. Like he's like, that's fine. I'm like, yeah. Great. Be like. Got your own pace. Yeah. 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 For sure. Well, cool. okay, great. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, Please check, check us, us out on. on... <laughs> no, good. Yeah. Check us out on all the things. Our Patreon is uh, still patreon.com slash P-S-A-F-O-T. Yep, and we're at PeculiarStoriesInForOutTales.com. Check out our Instagram, and check out the James Webb Telescope. Yeah, check them all out. Yep. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.